0: Welcome back to Call and Shots. This is Seth Partnow. I am joined today by my good friend Adam Mares of DNVR. Uh, I'm going to go jump straight into it, rip the Band-Aid off, and I'll soften this by saying I picked the Nuggets to make the finals preseason, and I'm sticking Let's with it. But are you concerned that they don't guard well enough to make that come true?
1: Um, I'm not really at this moment. I mean, it is going to be the thing that determines whether or not they win. I think their offense is – I don't think anybody in the NBA can stop them. I don't think the best defenses can really even slow them down. They're going to score. But even with that, you still need to be able to guard the other team at least a little bit. But I think Denver actually can. Um, And there's two reasons I think that. One, I think over their last 15 games, they have been a top six defense in the NBA. Um, Some of that is some home cooking. They've been home for most of the last 15 games. But I've always thought when you looked at their schedule that they just needed some continuity. They've been on the road for the first two months of the season. They needed to be at home, a little more rested, and just able to practice a little bit to be able to kind of steady the ship. They have good defensive players. So I think that they can be a top 15 defense. And if they can just get that up a little bit to be a top 10, even if it's 10, the number 10 defense, then I feel confidence that they'll get there. And I've just seen enough to say that, when they need to defend they defend so i think they can get to that top 10 mark
0: it's the it's sort of an oddly reductive thing and i kind of understand where it's coming from is and i'm sure you hear this all the time is like in you know in the modern nba there's been no team with a with a center as poor defensively as as Nikola jokic who is blah 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 and there's there's two counters to that one is he's he's not that bad and secondly like also there's been no center who does offensively what he does so we have a sample size of zero <laughs> right, for right. the situation to to but the I, d- I do think there are some questions about um him in particular just from a versatility standpoint um yep. i think you and i have agreed that their problems in the playoffs the last couple of years have been more about point of attack defense than anything that that and the thing that, that Jokic has or hasn't done. However, I do think that we need to, that We it does need to be discussed. Like, it, A, is it a problem defensively if a team can just constantly run pick and rolls at him? Uh, both from the the defensive standpoint and also from the standpoint of putting him in a lot of actions is sort of, it's sort of a similar thing as as teams will do with Dallas where they just, Throw a lot of bodies at Luca and just try to hit him a lot, basically, and wear him down over the course of a game or series.
1: Yeah, and I think so. There was a lot in that, and I kind of want to go piece by piece. The, yeah, please. The first, the first piece was, you know, the 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 little axiom about oh, you 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 can't have an offensive center. Most of the times, we're talking about guys like Enos Kanter. We're talking about like a good post-up one-on-one, even even a DeMarcus Cousins or something like that, where it's like, yeah, his real value is in his one-on-one offense. And then he has a little bit of other things he can play make. Jokic, to me, is more like Steph Curry in that if you said you can't win shooting threes and running guys off screens and shooting from 30 feet away, if that's you re- rely on that, you're not going to win. We've never seen it before. Well, we never seen a Steph Curry, and Steph Curry proved that, oh my God, not only does that win, it wins really, really big. Um, I think Nicole is the same way. So historical precedent to me, I just roll my eyes at it. And then also Steph or, or Seth, you're watching the NBA, right? You're seeing 71 points scored. You're seeing the top defense over the last two months is giving up 104 or an average defense is giving up 113 points per hundred possessions. We're in this weird era right now where the basketball does not resemble the basketball of the previous 20 years. It's its own ecosystem. And I think using historical precedent of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, to me, is just completely silly. So that's the first part of this. The, the second part is the point that I think is most interesting, which is the Warriors are not a pick and roll team. Yet last year, when they matched up with the Denver Nuggets, they ran almost exclusively pick and roll. They just changed and said, well, we're going to do this because that's the thing that Nicola doesn't do well. I half agree with you about the point of, contact, uh, point of attack. It is important. But I think length is equally as important. Denver has not had great length in previous seasons. Monte Morris, you know, Faku Compazzo. You know, they've had some, even Austin Rivers playing small forward. They've had some small lineups. They've solved a lot of that with the new guys that they brought in. But number two, and equally as importantly, is I think that Jokic has been run uh, into the ground with the workload he's had to carry throughout the regular season and then especially in the postseason over the last two years. And part of what's exciting about the Nuggets and part of why I buy the defense is Nicola had to give 100% on offense and 100% on defense and just wore down. Now you have a system in place where he doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting and I think can be a better defender himself in the playoffs when he goes up against these teams.
0: I, I, I see what you're saying, and I think there's something to it. But, I again, it's, it's, I'm going to go back to like the body blow theory of – Okay, he hasn't had to do that all season, but if you may, if, if you make him do it for seven games, and you make it like and, and you have he has to do it for seven games, everything on offense, everything on defense. Now, everything on offense, maybe maybe not, but still, if they can, if you can put him in every action defensively, that is, I don't know, I want to say doubling his, his load, but it's certainly increasing it
1: substantially. But my point and, is in years past, if you put him in every action on defense, which every team did, okay, they're gonna do that again this year. But he also was responsible for one hundred percent of the offense last year, and I don't think he will be now. I think you're fair. going to be able to punish the teams. And then by the way, if, if you just look at the last two seasons, one they get past um, you know, they get past Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I think it's underappreciated the fact that they got through that starting, not playing starting Faku Campazo and Austin Rivers as your backcourt. <laughs> and by the way, in Game 6 when they closed that out, Jermichael Green is on the court closing that game, uh, closing that series out. But now you replace those guys with actual basketball players, you know, actual, actual guys that should be in playoff series. But I just think that uh, also teams were not penalized for playing their best offensive lineups. Jordan Poole had the greatest series, the greatest five games of his entire career against the Nuggets all in a row in large part because Denver didn't have anybody that could go at him. And I think this is the thing where offense and defense are not separated here, is you can attack Nicola every single time down court if you want to, but if you're going to do it at the level that the Golden State Warriors did last year, you're probably going to be very compromised on the defensive end, and now you're going to be going up against Michael Porter, against Jamal Murray, against guys that actually can take advantage of Jordan Poole's defense.
0: I think that's a great point. Um... Though I mean, we could go round and round on this because I do like there is. I think that 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 Jokic is not the only defensive soft spot we have to talk about. Um, we haven't really seen Michael Porter Jr. in a in a playoff setting in a while. Um, last time we did, though, I mean, he did he did get targeted a little bit. I, I would yep. say that the the Suns especially, like they they, um, you know, they went at Jokic and they went out of their way to put. Porter in, in actions to make him make defensive decisions, and he wasn't ready to do that consistently at a high level. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. No question <laughs> so, about it. Yeah, so that's so. Um, I guess that's that, That's sort of the other question, and um, you know, it, how how are we feeling about you know both from a health and play standpoint, but also then in that sort of defensive picking at scab standpoint. Um. that yeah now you're getting at what I think
1: is the fair one which is it's not Nicola it's Nicola and Michael Porter combined and I think the most important game for the Nuggets this season if you're analyzing them and trying to project them in the playoffs was the second night of the back-to-back where they played at Sacramento they played Sacramento two games in a row both in Sacramento uh, the second one Down the stretch, this is exactly what Sacramento did. They tried to go at Nicola. Michael Porter, you're trying to hide him, right, off on a player. They'd get that switch. They'd run those rub screens and get Michael Porter switched out onto the ball. And then they would bring Nicola up and say, you two now have to guard the pick and roll. We're going to make you guys the ones. And in the playoffs, you're going to do this every time. Like The smart teams and the teams that are capable of doing it, there's no stop in the NBA for that. You can't fight through the screens. You can't do this. You're going to end up having to switch Porter onto the ball handler And then you're going to have to have those two defend the action. And I don't know that there's a solve for it, to be honest with you. Here's the thing. Denver, I think, for the first time in in this era, has the ability to not play Michael Porter. And as good as Michael Porter has been, and even the defensive metrics have bared this out, again, teams aren't game planning for Denver. They're not usually altering what they're going to do. I think it was unique that Sacramento did this in the second night of a back-to-back, which though, it, it, against the same team. So the second time around, you kind of make a new game plan. It's almost like a mini in-season playoff turn- uh, playoffs, uh, you know, series there. So they made an adjustment. I think that's what it'll be in the playoffs. But Denver has the opportunity to go to a Jeff Green, to a Zeke Naji, to a Vlaco Chanchar, and maybe a Bruce Brown. I think Bruce Brown is going to be the default guy. I just think he's too small maybe even a Christian Brown. And I just think that they have um, options to replace Michael Porter. If that's what a team's going to do, you get to the fourth quarter, you, you get to game three, game four, you make the adjustment, and you go to other players who are capable of doing that. So now you don't have a mark on the court.
0: And, I mean, to that to that end, I mean, I think against a, a lot of teams, especially if they downsize, playing, you know, Brown, Murray, and, and Caldwell Pope together with – with Gordon at the, at the four seems like that seems tenable in a lot of matchups.
1: Yeah. I think that the thing is with Nicole and pick and roll is you have the reason I'm, I'm skeptical of Bruce Brown being the solve is Nicole is, is he's going to play position and he could funnel you to the right spots, but he's not going to stop you. Right. He's not going to be out there on Damian Lillard or, or any of these guys and get stops and like make it hard on them. They're going to shoot over him. If he sags off, he's going to have to play up and they're going to blow by him. You've just got to show him bodies. You've got to show length there. And that's where Aaron Gordon covers a lot of ground. He's athletic. He's big. Um, KCP for a guard is really big. He covers a lot of – he's an elite closeout guy. He just closes out under control. He's good. Um, Jamal Murray is underrated in this aspect. He's six foot five himself and super mobile. And when he's locked in, he can be a good defensive player. You just need one more and preferably a guy with some length, 6'9", 6'10". And that's why I'm skeptical it's Bruce Brown. Because once you're scrambling Murray – Brown KCP that might be too small collectively you might hmm. need a 69610 guy out there
0: I mean Brown has, has has made his career out of playing bigger than he is but but maybe not that much bigger um i've got a i've got a a thought exercise that i've been i've i, I kind of have been going through um most of the year i've been trying to trade john collins to half the league um okay. recently the player i've become more in, in interested about is is kyle kuzma and i just can't get past if you swapped in kyle kuzma for michael porter jr i think denver becomes the massive title favorite is that Man. am i am i crazy at, at first i, <laughs> I thought mean, you were going to tell me
1: john collins which would have got me a little bit more excited i think but oh really Well, I mean, it's not a natural fit, right? I mean, he's a power forward, namely, and and defensively. I think John Collins has more to give defensively than he shows in Atlanta, but maybe that's wishful thinking. But let's stick to Kyle Kuzma because it's interesting. They're similar players, Michael Porter and Kyle Kuzma. Michael Porter's a better shooter. He's just one of the best shooters in all the NBA. The thing is, what you lose a little bit in floor spacing, and also, by the way, it's underrated. Michael Porter has really bought in to the offense this year. He does not step outside the lines. He's actually been a low usage player relative to what I think I would have expected from him, just knowing how talented he is. So he's bought in. And I think you need that when you're playing with Nicola, like you need guys that buy into that. Wood Kuzma, I don't know. But what you lose a little bit in that offensive floor spacing and, and that you just gain in, there's less chaos with him, right? There's more control. You know what you're getting. You still have that same height. Defensively, you still have that aggregate length that I'm talking about that you need. So to me, I think it would absolutely be a win. Heavy favorites. I, I, can't say that I can say that, but but if you're saying it, it makes me want
0: to watch a little bit more Kyle Kuzma. I mean, I so I think that that a I think he's um, an underrated defender, and also that puts the, um, that that almost puts the, in, in a lot of their lineups. It puts the fifth ball handler on the floor. Okay. And I, yeah. I think he, I, I think he play, he, I think it's fair to say he playmakes better than 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 Michael Porter Jr. That's not, that's no, not, no not a question. strength of MPJ. Right, fair to right, say, right. yeah. yeah for- um, and I think that that that's something I've been thinking about a lot this year with respect to like Boston's offense is how difficult you know we we've discovered over the last ten years that hey going from three to four to five shooters. Is almost an exponential increase right. in, in defensive difficulty. I think between Boston and a little bit Utah at the start of the year, I think we're kind of, that's kind of an illustration of how having five guys who can, you know, it's cliche, but, you know, dribble, pass, and shoot. Having five guys right. who can do that is pretty powerful. Um, yep. You know, for a team that's already like an offensive, like a very strong offensively, like, but what do you even do with that? Um, I don't Tor- know. Tory just- Craig,
1: yeah, this is the Tory Craig thing because a couple years back, Denver had Tory Craig, who I think is a very good defender, or at least at that time was a very good defender, and he had the length. But he was like a zero in the exact way you're talking about. This continuity offense always stopped whenever he rotated up to be the next guy to catch the ball and dribble handoff or dribble pitch and just keep the ball moving. He couldn't even just keep the ball moving. So you're right about that. That Kyle Kuzma would be a guy that you naturally segue from one pick and roll to the next. You swing it over to him and run a pick-and-roll, and and he just naturally can go right into it. So I'm with you. I think It's intriguing to me. I I will say this. The aggregate length part to me is the biggest thing because I don't think anybody in the NBA can defend, especially if you don't have a great rim rim protector, then okay, you're going to have a hard time. I actually think length becomes as important as defensive aptitude, um, especially for Denver. So the fact that you would be swapping MPJ, who's very long, with a player who's equally as long, to me, I think okay, that that seems to work.
0: So anyway, that, that that's just sort of that that that's an interesting thing. It, it came out of a really a conversation about teams that that you know what teams that should be all in and what does all in look like. And that's and you know I and Kuzma is the guy who comes up because you know he the, the, uh, he's as as an expiring contract, you got to know you're going to sign him, and it's like, well, if you're close enough, why not? Uh, at what 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 is the rental worth but that it's it's a pure I think it's purely speculative
1: I think first of all I think Denver I don't think you should say Denver's not looking to trade Michael Porter I mean if a team is willing to do a deal like that you know if Denver is Denver's in the spot right now and Calvin Booth has sort of referenced this the next moves are all painful there's no like hey we got like Will Barton and Monte Morris were not painful moves right it was those guys probably didn't fit. They'd run their course here in Denver. That was easy. The next move is a tough one that doesn't feel good, but, hey, does it help on the margins in the way that matters? Even if it puts you in a spot that leaves you vulnerable in the future, that's what you have to do. So I, I, if, if Washington were into that one, I think it's something that would be realistic.
0: Interesting. That's I was, I was very much expecting you to just, like, what the hell are you talking about, Seth? That's stupid. So now that that makes me even more intrigued by something that's unlikely to happen. Just because you know, any <laughs> given any given deal in the NBA is unlikely to happen. So, but let's let's kind of stick with that. Like you know, the the I think that the, I mean the Nuggets are a a, a very good team. Um, you know, they're obviously the first in the West right now. Um, some of some of uh, their equity, I think, is as much about. The, the sort of the after you get past the very top of the West, there's a lot more questions than answers. Um, but they are, a little, I think, from a playoff facing perspective, they are a little thin. Mm. So, interesting. I mean, uh, you know, you think get, Denver is. Yeah, I think Denver is. Yeah, I think you get That's past. I think you get past Jeff Green and I'm wondering who else I trust. Like Bruce, So Bruce Brown, Jeff Green basically off the bench
1: and then yeah, and then yeah. you have a bunch of questions. And then
0: and then like I still have I still have questions. Like I, I understand that, that the where your confidence is coming from, but I would still have questions about Porter Jr. And if you're in a situation which you have to countenance as possible where it's just like mm, we gotta go away from him. Now you're down to like six and a half. And that's I think, you know, that yeah that's that's that's, that's dicey. The, the Michael Porter, I mean, we're on the same page with
1: the Michael Porter piece of this, like yeah. as great as he is. And the numbers have been phenomenal, especially defensively with on the co- with him on the court this year. To me, those are regular season numbers And the playoffs. To your point, they're going to try to target him. And so Denver has to just mitigate that. And they have two players right now that I think in playoff series, when the other coaches get together to say, how do we beat Denver? They're going to say Michael Porter Jr. and Bones Highland. Those are the two guys. And they're really great players. But that's like our strategy is built around attacking those that vulnerability. So I'm with you on it, and that's why I don't think a Michael Porter trade would be crazy. I think it'd be more crazy in that I'm just curious to see what teams are in. Right? I mean, he's such a good player, such a good high upside. But I guess if you're Washington and you're trying to, hey, we're where are we going? We need we need some lottery tickets. He's a pretty good lottery ticket. Um, so, so I'm uh, with
0: you. on that. Yeah, but but I think my my broader question is is I, I mean, from my standpoint, just getting another dude or two who you feel good and maybe I maybe I'm short changing other other players on the Nuggets roster but I, I another guy that you you just feel you know whether it's whether it's a a backup or small ball five or 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 something else that that just gives you that that confidence that you can get 240
1: yeah good yeah. minutes
0: in right. in and do so in multiple matchups like I think I like I think there are probably some playoff matchups where DeAndre Jordan won't kill you. And I think there are some where he will absolutely
1: murder you. And Michael Ballone I think has gotten better as the year has rolled on and figure out when those are even in the regular season. Um he he overplayed him I thought in the first two months of the season, much to Denver's detriment. Um let me give you the list cuz I'm higher on the other guys than you are and I'll give you to the them to you in order of how I feel about okay. them. I think Vlaco Chanchar is a really solid player that is not going to lose a game for you in a playoffs. Meaning, I don't think he is a marked defensive He's actually a very good defensive player, on-ball defensive player. He has an extremely high basketball IQ. And right now, he's shooting 50% on low volume. But I have confidence that he is a playoff 40% open three-point shooter, which means you're not going to, hey, just leave that guy alone. He does a lot of things, and he's solid. And if we're talking about 8 to 12 minutes a game in a playoff series... He's going to execute and he can guard multiple positions. The next guy is Christian Brown, who's six foot seven and already maybe Denver's second or third best on ball defender. Um, he's not as as reliable offensively. He's more of a guy that as a series goes on, if he's playing minutes, teams are probably going to dare to make the open three and we'll see if he can do it. But to me, he's a great option as another defensive player that you can play at the two or the three that if Denver needs these more bodies, I would not. I mean, he needs to get reps because he hasn't played enough minutes yet. But for me, he's a guy that represents somebody I can count on. And then third, Zeke Naji, who is another one of one of the better on ball defenders, especially out on the perimeter, um, who I think is another guy that if you're just saying, what's the 10th best guy on a roster on the average team? I think he's right there with anybody's a little more volatile. That's why I have him third on this list. But his upside as a defender has been extremely. Um, he, he's been really, really good.
0: I, so I've 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 been a I've, I've always kind of liked Chanchar and and I have, have been a been intrigued by Naji. I just I'm I I would still be. These are all things that I I think are possible. And, but that's a rookie and two guys who have never really been consistent rotation guys, and now you're counting on them to be you know. Your your to fill out your rotation in the playoffs, and so that's that's you know you yeah. you start to worry situations where someone rolls an ankle or someone gets in foul trouble, and I think those are the kinds of those are the kinds of and it's it's a lot of teams have this problem where you kind of scratch the surface and you don't really like what you see underneath, mm-hmm. but but if I was if I was Calvin Booth and that would make me you know 11 <laughs> inches taller than I am um the, i mean i think that that like making my roster making my rotation a little more resilient to 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 the to even to like a short term version cuz obviously like you know a serious injury to you know one of your top guys and your whatever but like you know foul trouble or or a, a game or two with an ankle i think you know a championship team is probably robust enough to handle that so yeah. so um, I think Calvin Booth agrees with you, by the yeah. way. Yeah, acknowledging your optimism about about uh, about those those three guys. What what would it, what what area would you feel like you would want most to bolster?
1: Um, I I think uh, probably def- a defender in the like three range, the two three range. Um oh,
0: just the defensive
1: wing that everybody wants. Yeah, that's the yeah, exactly yeah. That, that exact player. I think I do like. Here's the thing. The Bones Highland piece of this is the most interesting to me because he's going to win Denver a lot of regular season games. He's already lost a couple of them for Denver, but he's going to win a lot because he's so talented offensively. But he's just so – he's definitely going to be a mark off the bench. And I can see a scenario where he just doesn't play in the playoffs. Like you get game four, game five of a playoffs that's so – the margins are so thin that it's, hey, let's just not lose this in those minutes. So I can see that. But I I will say this. I think – Denver's roster has gotten, in some ways, less sexy but more um, effective in just six months with Calvin Booth. And I think that the trade deadline will be his first chance. I don't know if it'll happen because there's so many buyers and so few sellers. But I do think that that is the direction he is looking to move is, hey, where are the reliable, unsexy guys that we just know we can get 12 minutes in a playoffs without there being any mistakes made? And like I said, I am definitely more bullish on these guys that are uh, less proven to be that in the playoffs. Just because they're game and just based on what I've seen from them, I think that they can execute, especially Christian Brown and Black Chanchar. But I still think you probably need one more that might be a point guard. If you are if you are moving on from Bones, you just need to get somebody that can bring the ball up the court and then guard and not turn it over. That's not volatile. and um, And that's where I think Denver can shore these things up.
0: I, so the other, I think the other part of this, and this is probably why you're leaning more towards a proven veteran, is um, I, you know, someone who who Mike Malone is going to trust in those spots, right? No question. Yeah, no and that's, questions. you know that's that, that and, and he's not. I mean he's he's not the only, he's not the only coach to, who uh, prays at the church of veteranosity. We'll say, right. but, uh, but no, and I, and but I think that, I mean, I do also think that, that like a known quantity is, is probably, so what, like, what would, what are the kinds of moves that you, that, that either you're hearing about them, them, uh, considering, or that you would really be looking into. And I mean, as you say, there's no, there's no move they can make that doesn't involve a little bit of pain. So what, what, so, yeah. what, uh, I what mean, juice I- is worth the squeeze?
1: I think there's three players to me that are the most likely to get traded. Um, and Zeke Naji is probably the first one because you've got Jeff Green, you've got Black Chanchar. Those are known, qual- like you said, to me, those guys are guys that you know what you're going to get, even in a playoff series. And as much as I am as high as anyone on Zeke Naji, he's still unproven. And Michael Malone just seems slow to play him. So if you have this young guy with a lot of upside, to me, that he has some trade value in that sense and he might get the player back. The next one is, Bones Highland who's a really good young offensive player that I imagine teams could talk themselves into just because he shoots 40% on one of the highest you know three point attempt rates in all of the NBA he's shooting 41% on those shots and a lot of them by the way deep and a lot very of them very difficult ones yes very difficult ones i mean i think that guy has a lot of untapped potential but as is the case with most guards especially scoring guards the runway is usually 4 years 4 or 5 years before they're, like, winning caliber players. So those two. And then Michael Porter would be the third one, just for all the reasons you mentioned. I don't know if there's a market for Michael Porter coming off of three back surgeries. But if there is one, I I think all three of those guys. And the players coming back in return are, like, like I mentioned, Bruce Brown can be, to my surprise with Bruce Brown, I actually think he can be a point guard. I think he's much more of a guard than I expected. I always thought he was like a an undersized forward more than he was a guard. I actually like his guard skills, especially defensively, but I don't think he can bring the ball up the court. I think you need that. So um, this guy's he's he's a little bit of
0: Gary Payton. He's a little little bit Gary Payton like.
1: Sure, I I think. But the thing I think you have to pair him with, and this guy's not on the market, but it's a mold, and it's one of my favorite types of players is a Joe Ingles. If you ran out a second unit that featured Bruce Brown and you had a Joe Ingles that brought the ball up the court or initiated the offense from time to time and then got out of the way, right, just did that basic point guard stuff for the first eight seconds of a possession, to me, I think that would make Bruce Brown significantly more effective as a second unit sort of staple. So I don't know if that guy's out there. I know we talk about the three and D-wing, but maybe it's a little bit... Kyle Anderson, is that a type of guy that... Could fill that role if if Minnesota decides to move on from whatever it is they're trying to do, maybe he's that. That might work.
0: I think that's. I mean, I think that's an interesting. Uh, be. I don't know. Maybe the, the Justice Winslow, something like that. Like that. Those. Those are. The, Any like, I think we've Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that's the one thing we we, we do count. We that you, that he he offensively he is he is reliable as as a as a ball handler. I don't like the the injury and and non-shooting aspect of that make it a little mm. tougher. I mean, uh-huh. I, I I I have a hard time seeing Minnesota given how important he's been to their kind of recent run of decent up until the other night against Detroit. Uh their their recent run of good results. Kyle Anderson's been pretty pretty key to that. So I have a hard time seeing them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, do, what do you think about like, you know, a backup point guard? Like you know, you, we've talked about him from Minnesota. Like, you know, even you talk about unsexy. I mean, Jordan McLaughlin is mm. sort of, you know, sort Pretty of
1: the,
0: uh, Yeah, but uh, it doesn't turn the ball over, like, uh, you know, to the extent his size allows decent defensively. Doesn't turn the ball over, I'll mention that again. And, and, you know, makes good decisions. And with the offensive talent they have, like, I think that that, like, that caretaker... Like a solid caretaker who's maybe a little more physically talented than a FACO Capazo right. is uh, is is kind of what we're looking at. I don't know. Which I, I didn't mean for us to go to go completely trade machining <laughs> here, but but the the one thing I'll say it's stylistic
1: though, right? We're looking at stylistic type yeah. players, and I think yeah. the one thing for me that I am guessing Calvin is going to move away from in the years going forward is small players. And mm-hmm. so you already have Bruce Brown, who yes, he plays bigger, but like I mentioned, you just need the length. I mean, they lost Faku, they lost Austin Rivers, they lost. Or I'm sorry, they lost Monte Morris. Um, they got rid of these guys that are undersized. And if you look at the draft, Christian Brown, six foot seven, Peyton Watson, six foot eight, six foot nine, with really long wingspan. That they're trying. They're clearly trying to just say we're going six five and above as best we can with this roster going forward, and that's why. I players like a Jordan McLaughlin. Like, I just think Denver's probably not going to give themselves the option to be small. Sure,
0: That makes sense. Um, so let's, let's, let's turn this around. Um, you, as you're, you're a Denver optimist. Cause you know, that's that. You have to um, be. Cause you have to be. <laughs> and also I think you, I mean, you did. I, I really team, am those as well. Yeah. This with this team. You kind of, you can come by it honestly. They're really like, good. Yeah. Um, and it's yep. it's it's nice too that they're they're finally kind of delivering on, you know. I think that that we both remember fondly those those two weeks from when they traded for Aaron Gordon to when Jamal Murray got hurt. Uh, it seems like they're they're finally starting to really deliver on the promise of that, like where they when they yep. were like the best team in the league for. Um, so I think they look better over the last three weeks than
1: they did in that two week stretch. You know, back before Murray got hurt, I think they've looked better.
0: Interesting, um, but let's turn that around. Like who in like, you know, we don't. I don't think we need to worry about the Eastern Conference teams because you get to the finals and so you're going to play someone good, and you know. But we're in the finals, so okay. Uh, who concerns you most of the possible West West matchups?
1: This is real easy for me. I mean, number one is Golden State. And you just talk about, one, a team that's done it before. Um, two, I thought Jokic really figured Draymond Green out in that last one. And I'm obviously Kevon Looney. But I, I really thought that Nikola did what he wanted to do offensively in games 3, 4, and 5. They just couldn't get the stops. And, you know, Steph does this to everyone. But he does it 5-10% more to Nikola. Just stretch him out. And and, and you that, that court just becomes so big. I also think if you talk about a Michael Porter-Nikola Jokic pick-and-roll combo, they're going to be able to find that every time, and and it's really going to hurt you. So Golden State, number one, easily. And then number two, they're not a good team anymore, and they're in turmoil. But Phoenix Suns, to me, still have the same recipe in terms of do they have multiple players, both starting and off the bench, that can just run pick-and-roll every single time that Nikola's on the court? The answer is yes. And I think defensively, Denver is going to have to count on Chris Paul looking the way he has over the last month, which maybe that's the Chris Paul we're left with. I don't know. But I think there's a good chance that Chris Paul gets into that elbow jumper and makes it every time. And Denver won't really have a great adjustment for it.
0: So it's interesting. You did not you, you you did not name either of the, the two West teams that have looked like really solid contenders for the bulk of this season so far, and that's Memphis and New Orleans. And I can kind of right. see – I can kind of see, like, New Orleans, I think we're all sort of, like, of the, the, New Orleans and Cleveland, I think, are two teams that everyone's like, they're pretty good, but, like, what's the precedent for a team going, you know, going crazy in their first playoff run? And, yeah. you know, New Orleans had a had a, had a credible first round showing last year, but Zion's never played in the playoffs. Right. And so, so those are, but, so specifically Memphis. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, they're record-wise, they're right there with you. They, right. um, they have a guy who, you know, like Nikola Jokic is the best player among those two teams, but John Morant has best player in the series equity. Hmm. Um, you know, I think, I mean, you, do you think John Morant could could go for forty four times in seven games against a team that that might not have the best pick and roll defense? Maybe. I can, I- yeah.
1: I, I I look, when when you don't mention a team, like if I say the two toughest matchups are going to be Golden State and yeah, yeah. like, that doesn't mean every other matchups a breeze, right? Like <laughs> you're right. Top, we're we're good in the west or whatever. I'm yeah. not going to do
0: that. Well. No, no, no. I yeah, but I'm just I'm I'm so right. I I just it's more of a setup for 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 your thoughts on on yeah. a match on a potential matchup with the Grizzlies. I I think still, that
1: they yeah.
0: John Moran's a tough cover. He's going to be tough. But I actually think the team,
1: you know, they have a lot of good players and they can't all – the players, they can't all hurt Denver. And I think with Ja, Denver actually – actually, I'll just say this. I think Denver's going to score on them more easily than most teams score on them, meaning they're a very good defense. I think they're top three in the NBA right now. I don't know if they've fallen below that. But they're a top three defense in the NBA. And Denver scores on them at will. And I think that's the thing that there are other teams that make them work or do this or that. I just think that that's one that Denver's comfortable with, and the pieces where they are good defensively are the pieces that Denver just can't
0: Interesting. So, I mean, I think, I mean, I do think that series takes, almost takes one of Memphis's best cards off the table. In that, I don't think, I don't think you can play a lot of minutes with Jaron Jackson at the five against Jokic. I think that's, that. So I mean, I think that, well, uh, um, but I mean, that's just where, you know, his, his propensity, like Nicole Jokic is very crafty. And I think that there will be a lot of fouls called on Jaron Jackson if he, if yeah. he's forced to guard him. In, in, and so that's, but that's, I mean, that's, you know, has been this year and last year, one of Memphis's more effective looks and being able to kind of completely counter that, uh, is probably advantage Denver. Um, Right. But yeah. And then their lack of shooting. I mean, I think Denver Denver can also just
1: defensively, again, they have some longer defenders now that I think can pack the paint a little bit better. And you're really punished. I mean, if you look at where Denver had been vulnerable defensively, it's corner three-point shooting. And it's because, again, now they've had some guys in and out of the lineup that I think have also contributed to this. But this is why I say length is so important for everyone, but especially the Nuggets. Their defensive scheme requires a lot of ground to be covered as a help side defender getting into the paint to take away the drive to the basket and then closing out and rotating. And when you don't have to close out quite as hard or when you're just punished a little bit less on those kickouts, then I think Den- that's why Denver, I think, has been pretty good defensively against them in the past. So um, as opposed to, you know, some of the, like a Warriors team where they're going to have too many shooters on the court at all times that you're you're going to be killed for that.
0: It's a difference between, r- difference between closing out to Dylan Brooks and Jordan Poole. A one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you, Cameron Johnson and Mikael Bridges. And it's it's not the, the first guys. It's not the steps. It's not what it, it's it's the third, fourth options. Are they guys that can make forty percent from the corner or better? And I don't think that Memphis has enough of those guys.
0: I think they. I think that's. Uh... Zaire williams coming into his own is probably would probably be a pretty big for them if they if it's like two of bane jackson and 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 a, a good shooting williams in the corner that's a very different it's a very different uh right. concept yeah um any of the teams that are sort of in the jumbled middle that you would be uh, i mean i know you mentioned you mentioned phoenix and 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 the warriors are there any of the other teams that would give you any sort of pause or you, you know?
1: Yeah, not, not particularly. I mean, I think Clippers Denver has really looked good against. I think Denver's extremely confident going up against the Clippers. They're another team that's designed for the 28 other teams in the NBA, not for the Nuggets. Um, Dallas to me is always tough because Luca is just that good, but I actually think Denver matches up. Okay. With them. They have bodies that they can throw at Luca, um, including I- Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I would um,
0: like to see Aaron Gordon guard Luca for a playoff series. I think that would be fun,
1: and Luca would get the better of him. But again, yeah. we're just talking mark. You know, it's just can you can you take off enough? Because yep. you're not going to get that from Maxi Kleber guarding Jokic. You're not going to get that from Christian Wood. You're not going to get that from oh. White Todd. like none of the bodies you throw to them on Jokic are going to have any impact on Nikola. He will he will not see them. Um, and then you have teams like Portland who are, who are reeling right now. The team though. <laughs> And maybe this is just historical precedent, but the team for me is the Lakers. I know they're in shambles right now and might not even be there. But LeBron and Anthony Davis, um, if you do find, like, I'm watching them work out a, a DeMarcus Cousins. That's obviously super volatile. But if you're able to put two bodies, I mean, what beat Denver in the bubble? Dwight Howard's is beating up on Nikola and then Anthony Davis playing that outside role. And then offensively, obviously, or defensively, Denver has a hard time guarding LeBron Anthony Davis. So to me, that's one team that I look like. And I go, right now, as currently constructed, I think Denver handles it just because the supporting cast is so bad. But if they do end up making just a little bit of the right moves, that's a really ugly one eight seven two. 8 7-2. Like, I, just, I will not feel good having to go up against that in the first round if that's what you have
0: to do. I mean, there, there's always the LeBron feel, fear factor, certainly. Ultimately.
1: Oh. Also, the foul factor, and I know this is going to be a little annoying. Oh, Nicola, no Nicola versus LeBron and Anthony Davis, like Nicola never gets in foul trouble, and in the bubble, he wasn't in foul trouble every single game in that series, and that's just one to me where i'll always I'll always worry about Nicola getting in foul trouble guarding Anthony
0: Davis. I'm just I just I, my main memory of that of that series is I just don't don't I thought it was vicious how Jeremy Grant used his chest to foul LeBron's shoulder so often. <laughs> but you know it's um but that's neither here nor there. Um cool. Anything else you think we should hit on about uh, about about this, uh, you know, in 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 our uh, our cheerleading of of both of our preseason finals pick, <laughs> Denver Nuggets.
1: I just I feel really good about Denver. Um they're playing the word I keep using for them is connected. They're just playing very connected basketball and I think the entire team more so being around him, like more so than I've ever seen just feels good about where they are because of it. So I've always said that a Nikola Jokic led team, he's so brilliant, not because he's individually brilliant, but because he has such a good two man and three man game, you know, and, and plays so well with so many different types. And this team just seems to be trusting him more, playing off him more. And that's part of what gives me hope is that um, the, the, some of the parts, what is it? It's been, the sum has been greater than the individual parts. The whole is greater uh, than the people.
0: sum of the parts is I think. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. There
1: you go. <laughs> that, that's kind of how it's been like as good as they are individually offensively, they've just been a machine in the way they're working together. And um, I want to see it even more in the back half because that team has, this team has the talent in my opinion, to be a 2014 Spurs esque passing team. And they're kind of working towards that, which is what's so exciting.
0: I think the last that I, that leads me to something I wanted to ask about earlier, and and I'll come back to it now is, um, you know, we've seen players, some players come back from EuroBasket a little tired. Um, yeah. I, I think there was certainly some of Minnesota's starters due to I think Gobert was probably a little worn down. We've seen other players, the younger players, Franz Wagner, Larry Markkinen, like use it as a springboard. Yeah, um, it seemed like like Jokic did not start the year playing poorly but he started the year almost the thing that made him into the mvp from just like a, you know a great all nba level player was the consistency of his offensive aggression looking for his own his own shot looking for his own buckets and it seemed right. like the start of this year he was i don't know if it was fatigue if it was wanting to get murray and porter back integrated or just you know kind of easing his way into the season
1: I don't even think he was easing, to be honest with you. I think you hit it. And with Nicola, I know this all sounds crazy. Sometimes I feel like a cult leader talking about Nicola, right? Because all the, the, the different ways I'll rave about him. But I swear he spent the first month of the season trying to show everybody, if I'm willing to not shoot, you all need to be willing to not shoot. This weird thing of like, if, if I'm, I'm not out here saying I set the tone and then everyone fill in and eat where, where, you know where, where the scraps are when I'm done. But rather the opposite of saying, hey, Michael Porter's back. We need to work him in KCP. Let's work him in. And I think it's paid dividends. Like, you just look at Michael Porter's been so unselfish this year. KCP, who I don't – I think he's just naturally this way. The guys they brought in are naturally this way. But they all just fit into what Denver does, and nobody seems to care about some nights KCP scores 20, sometimes he scores four, and everybody just seems so comfortable with it. And I really do feel like there was a method to Nicola's madness early on. Of just trying to set that tone first and foremost.
0: And, and but, I mean, th- that's in contrast with at a certain point, he's like, okay, well, um, daddy's home almost. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, and, and I, I was doing, I was doing, uh, I was doing uh, radio with uh, Justin Termini uh, earlier this week, and, and he, he, we were talking about sort of Tim Bontem Strong Struggle. And I, I didn't have him in my top five, and that's partially because I, did get submitted my vote right before Steph got hurt, and it's like, right. yeah, he'd be on it now. And just the 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 amount of of greatness that he would have to have to even be in the conversation for a third straight MVP, just from like a narrative a uh, narrative fatigue standpoint. But I mean, he's kind of doing that.
1: I don't even think kind of. To me, he's either- easily. Yeah free candidate at the moment. And he was good. The, the point was when he wasn't shooting a whole lot, he was effective in other ways. Yes. Um, and now if you look at it, Denver's faced a couple of shorthanded teams lately. And if you look at those games, I mean, he just had the perfect triple double against the shorthand. No LeBron, no AD. You play the Lakers. What's he do? He takes five shots. And I think that, that that's the thing is he set a tone early and now it's a when needed, I'm here. And, well, we got a tough game tonight. He's going to shoot 18 times. You've got the Lakers starting Wendy and Gabriel on him. He's going to shoot five because that's – I'm going to get Murray feeling good about himself. I'm going to get these other guys. This is the moment where they get to kind of put up big numbers and feel good. And I, I know it sounds crazy. Like I said, I sound like a cult leader. But I watch this guy enough that I can just kind of see the rhythms of, oh, this is a surefire win for the Nuggets. I'll bet Nicola takes five shots tonight.
0: And, and I think that's a uh, – also not just from a team standpoint but also from a um, – a hard mile standpoint. Like why, I don't need to do that tonight. Right. Why, like, why, you know, why do I need to get out of second gear <laughs> against this team? I mean, I, like, you know, it's, 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 we'll get this win. And, and if we, if we play them in May, then, then I'll, then I'll, I'll rev it up. But, yeah. you know, until exactly. like... cool. Anything else that uh, you, you want to hit on before I let you go?
1: No, I mean, I think that covers a lot of it. Um, you know, Denver has, uh, a uh, five or six game homestand coming up, and then they go on the road trip. Then, the, then after that, their their record will be or their schedule will be road heavy, and they'll face some big tests all in a row: Philadelphia, uh, New Orleans, Boston, all in a row. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I think they got a couple more tune ups where they're going to roll, and here in about two weeks, the the real tests will start to arrive again.
0: I'm really looking forward to that Boston matchup. I think that I you oh, know wait, I no, picked
1: Boston. They play. I'm wrong on Boston. Oh, okay. I don't think okay. they play. Philadelphia, Phil- Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, and I can't remember who the other maybe it's
0: Milwaukee. They have. have, have they, have they played both games against the Celtics or just the one they have, they got blown okay.
1: out in the first or second, like early on in the season, they got blown okay. out and then they hosted Boston and, and kind of blew them out.
0: I, that would be, you know, I originally picked Bucks nuggets for the finals, but I think that uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, I think Celtics nuggets would be pretty spectacular. It'd be good basketball it would be and it's a little bit of a little bit of a styles make fights where uh, each team's strengths may, might uh, correlate with the other team's weaknesses a little bit so yeah but uh, uh, thanks for thanks for for coming on uh, appreciate you taking the time and uh, I look forward to watching the Nuggets the rest of the season thanks so much Seth. take care buddy all right Dr.